The Jamie Dyer Show. So before we get to today's guest, I would like to give um, a trigger warning. So if um, speech about mental health and such is something of a trigger for you or any such um, related topics, uh, this is just a warning that for the next 20 minutes or so, it may come up once or twice. So my guest today is Lark Dean Galley. And um, welcome to the podcast, Lark. Tell me, what is your passion? Hi, Jamie. Thanks so much for having me on. My passion is talking about suicide prevention. And if you had said to me 20 months ago, you're going to be talking about suicide, you're going to be sharing your message. In fact, you're even going to write a book that uh, opens up all of the deep, dark secrets from your life, from your childhood with a father with undiagnosed Um, bipolarity with a son who died by suicide, a father who died by suicide, I would have said, Jamie, no way in the world will I be ever talking about that. And yet, because of circumstances with my son taking his life, my father earlier taking his life, I have felt that this is my life's purpose is to bring awareness to the mental situation that is going on in our world. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack there um there's yes. a lot there's a lot to unpack there and um can i first say that i'm really sorry to hear about both your father and your son there um how if you don't mind me asking how long did it take um between say these events happening and you writing the book so my father died by suicide it will be seven years coming up in january 2021 so seven years when he died by suicide i could not talk about it, could not physically talk about it. You know, the shame and the stigma that we feel so deeply around suicide. I even went into like a five month dark, deep depression about my father's suicide, but even some of my best friends didn't know that's how he actually died. Fast forward then five years and uh, just over five years later, my 19 year old son took his life. And I started to go into that dark, depression where I had been with my father, where I couldn't remember like functioning day day to day. I looked around and two things happened. One, I realized that my husband and my daughters were suffering and that if I chose to sort of go off that mental cliff, they might not be around when I came out again. The other thing that sort of um, impacted me was my friends who reached out to me they were mothers of children who were my son's age and knew my son. And they expressed how their kids were struggling. And my thought was, I can't control whether or not these, these young kids take their life, but I can control whether or not I talk about it. And I realized that if I didn't speak up about what had happened to my son and bring awareness to this situation and those kids that I knew took their lives through like a copycat suicide, I didn't think I could live with myself. And that's when I started to just take on this passion for educating people and help bringing awareness that we all struggle in some ways. And this book, um, which must have been, after having all of that experience, such a hard write, um, 
how did you go about collating everything? Did you write down notes or was it literally just all from your mind? Well, you're absolutely right. It was a very difficult write. And I thought about it more. I did more thinking than writing, if you know what I mean, because I would write some stuff down and then it would be very, very emotional. And I'd say, I'll come back to it tomorrow. And I would put it off for a month. So, um, Literally, it took me almost nine months of, of sort of thinking, putting the bones together, and then earlier January and early February, the first six weeks of this year, 2020, I committed three hours a day you know, to writing, 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 and just making it happen. So in the beginning, I laid it out um, with the different chapters I wanted. I put in the stories and the, the quotes and the pictures that I wanted. And then I could sort of pick my chapter as I went from there, because some days I couldn't write about specific things. I had to take the lighter topic, so to speak, um, and, and put those in. Another interesting thing was that I was not originally going to write about my childhood. And one of my friends who knew me from high school said, you need to put that in there because I knew you from high school. I knew that the, you know, I saw you hoarding food one day because you guys just didn't know if you'll have enough food. Or I saw the craziness that kind of happened in your family. And I put that in there, which helped me be able to see I parented the way I did because I was coping from a very unstable childhood, which then, you know, contributed to the way I parented very structured, very OCD, you know, do it this way, let's get it done. And maybe not as understanding as I might have been otherwise. I do think that um, we don't tend to take notice of what happened back there do we we don't tend to make sense of it and i think that must have been both a very difficult experience but also quite therapeutic i would imagine because some of some things when you're writing something um which is partly biographical like that um you must have remembered stuff that you'd completely forgotten about previously exactly a lot of things came up i would talk to my siblings about it they would remind me about certain things and it wasn't until a good friend of mine read the book early on before it was published. And she said, I didn't realize you had such um, an unstable childhood. And I was kind of shocked by her comment because for me, it was a normal childhood, right? Because that's all I knew. But it wasn't until other people pointed out how very chaotic and unstable it was that I was able to see, oh, this impacted me more than I ever knew. Yeah, it's... It, um... It must have been some journey from coming up with that initial idea to finishing the the writing. I mean, you, you finished it and it's out there, right? Yes, it's out there. You can buy it on Amazon, you know, in the UK, Amazon, <laughs> and get it delivered to you. Um, I The reason that I wanted to write it is that two things. First of all, I never wanted another parent to have to go through what my husband and I went through because it was very, very devastating. Um, the other reason I wrote it is for people who are struggling, who are suffering with a loss, whether it's a loss um, by suicide, maybe a loss of a child or uh, a loss of a friend to suicide. Um, how can you go on? How can you find the strength to get up the next day and keep moving forward with your life? Because it is a struggle. 
And that's what I wanted to do is bring hope to people who were still grieving. And you must be taking that um, into other areas as well as your book, right? Right. You know, so I'm I'm doing a lot of podcasts, which I so appreciate because it's helping me bring my message to such a, a more broad audience than what I have. I'm also starting to work uh, with different companies, trying to get the message out there in the workplace that, you know, home life and co- company life, we're not separate. Right. If things aren't going well at home, they're probably not going well for you at work and vice versa. The other thing is I want to bring awareness around um, with this COVID and the quarantine and lockdown, it's only exacerbated the problems of isolation that many people experience. And so more than ever, this message is very relevant, relevant to our time. Yeah, it is, because um, in the UK here, we're currently in the midst, um, as we're recording this, in the middle of a nationwide lockdown. And there is a rise, I think, in, in mental health Um, awareness but there is also quite a lot that is still not being done uh, bases that aren't being covered and you know it is something that as you say has prominently come along um, and more in the focus because of of covid exactly you know within the first um, month of the lockdown i heard from a therapist in the san francisco bay area who said that suicide attempts were up 30 percent that's significant. And, and I'm sure it's, you know, it's increased in different countries as well, the UK included. Um, also, suicide is the number one killer of people ages 15 to 35. And so that's a lot of the, the younger kids, the young adults, you know, your 20 year olds, they are, they have so much pressure. They're fit to trying to figure out their future. What's going on with my career? What's going on with my school? All of these things that are unstable. And then you have your your parents with younger kids who are saying, oh, not only do I have to work from home, I have to try to homeschool my kids. The pressures are just phenomenal. I do think so. Um, Thanks to the rise of the internet and other bits and pieces that have come around in recent years. Um, I had a a previous guest on who was um, a life coach, among other things. And he worked primarily with children. And he, um, I asked him, the question of did he think that um, children were kind of growing up too fast now because of everything that's around and he said that childhood was a fairly modern idea um, which kind of goes back to the Victorian times with child labor laws and and all that sort of thing Um, you can go back and listen to the episode to hear his exact answer and I just wondered, um, talking to you here now, do you think perhaps children are growing up too fast? They're perhaps having too much pressure put on them too early. Right. No, I definitely uh, agree with that. You know, maybe it's the same in the UK, but in, in the US, you know, there's all these pressures. Oh, you, your kid has to be in a sport. They have to be in some kind of musical instrument. They have to be top in class. They have to go to all these activities and it's run, run, run. And I believe that the COVID has helped most people slow down and really look at their lives and say, what is the most important? Is it the most important thing that Johnny is, you know, the MVP for his soccer team? Or is it the most important thing that we have a good relationship with each of our children so that they can talk to us about their concerns and express when they're struggling and when maybe they've done something that we as a parent don't necessarily agree with, 
because they feel safe in sharing this with us. Yeah, I, I agree with, with everything that you're saying. And it is an important thing because people do put too much pressure these days and there is too much going on. And you are right. Um, getting to know your parents is an incredibly important thing. You know, I say that as a father and a son, it's incredibly important. And um, one one thing I ask, you mentioned that you have other um, children. How do they feel about you putting your kind of thoughts down on paper like that? Sure. You know, in the beginning, I'd, I'd talk to different people and a couple of my family members said, Mom, do you have to tell everybody about the suicide? Do you have to tell everybody? And I thought for a minute, I'm like, Yes, I actually do. It is my passion. I do believe that we have to remove the stigma around suicide, around mental illness. We have to talk about it to make it a safe place. And so it was a little dicey there. I've also had to allow them their space so that they don't talk about it, so that I don't push what I want to say onto them. I will tell you that uh, my husband and one of my daughters have not read my book because it is so raw for them. But I've, I've definitely tried to be respectful of where they are. And, you know, just as I'm sharing the, the story in the book, just being respectful of everybody who's in the story. Yeah, I, I think that is an important thing, because for them, you're talking about their family, um, as well as your own, you're, you're all part of the same family. And it's interesting, actually, it must have changed your, your perspective and uh, they, they often say, don't they, that when you kind of uh, when you experience something like that, you kind of hold the other children much closer. But it sounds like you've been able to give them their space. You know, what? that's something that has changed me is my parenting. Before my son died, you know, I would my husband's military. So I would say we were drone parents. We were always in their business. We would track them via their phones. You know, they they had to toe the line and, and do what we said to do now. I want to give space to my children. I want to respect how they feel they should run their lives and not be so reactionary and just more of a guide and a help. Now, when you've got young kids, you know, you, you do have to guide them a little more, but allow them the consequences of their actions, but help them to understand and not have so much conditional love. You know, if one of our kids is doing something that we approve of, we tend to have a happy face and smile and say, oh, you're such a good boy, right? But if they do things that we don't approve of, we don't have to say anything. And they know because of our face. I would say, let's have more love and compassion. Let's not be so judgmental. Let's not think, oh, if my son or daughter does X, Y, Z, what will the neighbors think? What will my parents think? Let's get over that and, and just allow our children to be who they are going to be and to know that, that we will love them no matter what they are or what they choose to do. Because in some circumstances, um, people of a certain age, if your parents tell you not to do something, um, it's quite obvious they might go ahead and do the opposite just because they can right <laughs> mm -hmm. you know what and as parents maybe we can help our children try to understand the consequences the natural consequences of certain things right of underage drinking or or underage sex and that whole thing uh what are the consequences is that something that you want to take on at this point in your life and help them to to understand that that there is things that they will have to to carry 
if they make certain choices, but tell them that you're there to support them and, and just not become so angry about things that honestly do not matter in the long run. Things that, that I used to get so upset with as a parent, they just don't matter. Well, there is a, a little bit of a fear that if you expose them to, to uh, too much of a certain thing, it might even desensitize them to stuff. In, in some ways, you know, for example, like you, like you were saying, you know, different, different things. Like I take on alcohol, for example. If you start exposing them too young, then suddenly it becomes okay and they, they don't quite have the, the skills to manage. How much do I drink? What's it going to do? How is it going to impair me? Um, for example, with regards to like mental wellness, we can make sure we check in with our kids. If we see our child and we say, hey, how are you doing? If that's what we say, they're going to say almost always, I'm fine. That doesn't tell us anything, right? Maybe as parents, we can say, what was the best thing that happened to you today? And then we can say, what was the worst thing that happened to you today? Get them to engage in a conversation that's more than just the word fine, so that we can maybe help them through things that they might be struggling with, which I will tell you, we cannot parent like our parents parented us because of all of the social media and all of the things that the kids are exposed to. We need to understand that that they have infinitely more pressures on them than we ever had. Yeah, there are. Um, thanks to social media on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of these things. I'm 30 years old and I'm starting not to understand certain things. And You're getting old now, aren't you? You're like phasing out of technology. And the, and the kids will come behind you and they will pick up anything that the parents are on, they'll choose something else and they'll go to the next one and the next one. And we, as parents, we just don't have the ability to keep up on the technology like our kids are, are doing. I think as long as you know that something is safe or in some ways know the dangers. I mean, I, I often think about uh, when people used to use like CB radios or, or anything like that, you know, from the previous generations where there were dangers attached and as long as you knew what they were and were aware of them same with with the internet um, exactly then, yeah mm -hmm. you know what I uh, watched a show recently on Netflix called the social dilemma which I think a lot of us need to to watch because it talks about how social media um, polarizes us as populations and and sort of separates us based on what we choose to follow. And what the interesting thing at the very end is all of these um, influencers, the ones who created many of the platforms, the social media platforms that we know, they're, I'm going to say they're probably 35, right in that age, age range. They've got younger kids. Every single one of these parents said, my children are not on social media. So that should give you a pretty big clue, you know. Yeah, they they must know something. They know something and they know how it triggers our mind and how it's it's addictive. Yeah, I mean to go kind of um on a similar path but in the same way in, in the opposite direction. Um what what do you suggest? I mean in this current world it's very difficult because everybody is kind of not allowed, you know, at the moment we can't really step outside our front door that type of thing. What would you suggest um either the 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 children did by themselves or the parents did with their children? What do you think would be a kind of a nice activity or a stress reliever away from social media? You know, there's board games or different card games that that are really fun to do. I think 
children really do want to engage with their parents. They see their parents as the, you know, their world. They, they love it when mom and dad take an interest in them, you know, and we have to do it when they're young because by the time they are 14 and 15, if that's when we as parents start to come in and say, hey, let's engage, let's play a, a, a board game tonight, let's read a story, there is no way they're going to want to do that, right? We have to start when they are really young, when, when we maybe might want some downtime ourselves or a little, a little refresher or whatever. That's the most important time to take as a parent. And you know, I'm gonna say at 30, you're probably a young parent and they're, they're young kids. And it doesn't have to be hours and hours. If you just maybe read them one or two stories at night or, or spend just a little bit of time connecting with them, connecting with them over dinner, that will make a huge difference in your relationship as you move forward and they develop their own interests, yet they will still want to connect with you. Yeah, I think normalizing it early on, I think is, is a very positive way to go about it starting early well i'm I'm sure there'll be many parents and uh, prospective parents out there that will take that advice um based on your experience and really just last thing about the book have you ever thought about writing a sequel i know you've just finished the first one but have you thought about writing maybe another perspective because there must be lots of things even you're talking about here that you haven't written down Right. You know what? I just finished this and brought it to market just barely this month. And it's been exhausting. I will tell you that, you know, I thought all the work was in the writing, but uh, bringing it to market is actually, there was a lot of work that was involved there. Um, I, I thought, oh, how could I ever write a sequel? But now I've started to see some things. First of all, since my son passed away, my whole emphasis has been putting together his story and getting out the story. So people um, can be aware about the dangers of suicide. And I sort of caught myself last night saying, well, my mission is over. I don't really need to be on this planet anymore. I can be done. There's my story. I don't have to stick around. And I caught myself and I'm like, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell people that they do have to stick around. They do have to move forward. So I realized I need to develop some additional goals besides just getting my book out there. What are my goals now in sharing this story or in my life mission so that I feel like I'm always moving forward and and moving into something else that's going to help me want to stick around. And so you're right, there very well could be another, another sequel. Um, something that I am doing with a clinical um, psychologist is putting together some courses. You can find those on my website, lartdeangalley.com under resources, great parenting resources, mental wellness resources, and even some grieving resources. If you are grieving from a loss, that, there's a lot that goes into overcoming some some serious grief. Yeah, well, I I do applaud um, your your thing. Please don't take that as patronising because I think what you do is absolutely amazing. I think you're incredibly brave and so encouraging um, because it is important that we talk about these subjects. I gave a trigger warning at the beginning of the episode. It's very important that we talk about these and break that taboo that has befallen. And I thought, um, because I, I was diagnosed with autism in 2013, and it wasn't until I went into that world that suddenly I discovered there were all these other people that had all had the same experiences. 
And there were all these people that were willing to talk about it. I'd been in a completely different world and I come in this new world. And it's kind of like that with this. I mean, you must have met or at least spoken to a lot of people who've been through the same experience, which would have informed your writing. Exactly. You know, what I found is that when I was willing to talk about suicide, talk about mental illness, I created a safe space where people can share. And so many people came to me and expressed their their concerns and their struggles because I made it safe for them to, to do that. And that's, I'm sure that you found out as you're willing to be open and talk about your struggles, then people probably came to you and said, oh, thank you for sharing. It's, it's helped me go forward and understand that I can find some meaning and purpose in life. And I just feel like we're all connected more so than I ever realized before my son's death. We're here to support and love and help each other because we need each other. Yeah, which even um, during COVID, post-COVID is going to be incredibly important from this moment on. So let the listeners know where and how they can get your book. Sure. So you can go on Amazon. It's called Learning to Breathe Again by Lark Dean Galley. You can also go to my website, larkdeangalley.com, and you can just push on the button right there on the first page. It says, buy my book. Um, It's a beautiful read. It will help you if you're struggling in your relationships with your child to sort of look at things differently. It will help you if you're grieving, if you've had a loss, maybe you know someone who's experienced this and they just can't seem to find um, a way to get through it. It will help them too. Well, I I hope that it does its mission. And I'm just talking to you. I can tell that it's it's definitely worth a read. I shall be picking that up. And and um, all the best with everything that you're doing. And please keep it up because it's important that we keep talking about this subject. And I'd like to say, Lark Dean Galley, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jamie. I appreciate your time. The Jamie Dyer Show.